We are starting a new series this morning. And as you can tell, as with the bulletins that you, when you came in, you got this. You know, we're going to be, it's entitled Financial Fitness. And I'm really excited about this um, series because finances and money is a really vital area of our lives. You know, I mean, for all of us, it's really important. Um, it's also an area that a lot of people get stressed out about. A lot of people struggle with. One of the highest um, stress points for marriages, you know, as they do, whenever they do surveys and stuff, you know, finances is pretty close to the top. And, you know, you look and you get the cost of living, and the cost of living seems to keep going up. And, you know, the pull of our culture um, to keep spending money on things we really don't need is really hard to resist, you know? Um, I don't normally wear watches all the time, but, you know, I kept hearing Apple Watch, Apple Watch, I, got almost wa- I almost wanted one, except it's like crazy expensive, you know? And then the ability to spend money that we have or the ability to spend money that we don't have via credit cards and all that is really, really a strong temptation for a lot of people. You know, it's so easy, right, to just swipe a card or Apple Pay or do whatever you want. In fact, in the U.S. News and Report last year, you know, one year ago today, pretty much, they had an article, Five Things Keeping Americans from Financial Freedom. And in that article, they, 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 they state that the average American household carries a debt of $203,000. For financial baggage such as mortgages, credit cards, student loans, and all that, according to NerdWallet analysis in April. And, he's, and they write, what's more harrowing than this figure is that it doesn't account for other debts such as auto loans, personal loans, that further weigh down individuals. And so I thought, you know, NerdWallet, what is NerdWallet, right? And so I looked up NerdWallet, and they had an article uh, this year that the American household credit card debt statistics 2015, and it was current as of, supposedly current as of 2000, um, June of this year. And they said in total, American consumers owe $11.85 trillion in debt. And that's an increase of almost 2% from last year, um, $890 billion in credit card debt, $8.1 trillion in mortgages, and $1.1 trillion in student loans. And you, know, you look at that and think like, wow, I mean, I, I can't even imagine, right? I mean, I hear trillion. I don't even know what a trillion looks like, you know? But what this tells us is that a lot of people are not necessarily financially healthy. And, and our Father in Heaven wants us to be healthy in every area of our lives. And that's why, you know, at the beginning of the year, we did the Daniel, the Daniel plan, and that was get, you know, to get healthy physically in, in areas like that, and it was really good. And, and, you know, we need to also, he wants us to get healthy and to live in freedom and not really be controlled um, by the lure of what money can buy. He wants us to be healthy in this area as well. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And what Timothy is saying, and what, what, what the Bible, what God is saying, is that when our goal is, is to be rich, and when our love is, our, you know, when our, when our greatest love, when our love is for money, because money is not evil. You know, the Bible never says money is evil. It says the love of money. When, and when our love, for, our love is for money, then we have a, we're in grave danger at that point um, of drifting away from God and experiencing pain and sorrow. And for some of us, we, we know what that's like to drift away. When the lure of money and getting rich and all those things you know, begin to pull us away from the true faith, and you know, it's, just, it's just stressful. You know, it's really stressful. Another reason, <clears throat> and probably the more important reason, um, our Father wants us to be financially fit is because he wants us to arise and shine. What we talked about last week, he wants us to arise and shine and to be ready. You know, some would say we're living in a time that right now we're living in a time where Jesus could return in his glory at any time. You know, there, there are people here who, who believe that, yeah, you know, Jesus could come back today. Jesus could come back right now. Others think, well, maybe not. But the truth is, it really doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter, you know, if you believe, you know, that he's coming back now or he's coming back later. It doesn't matter because the Bible says that we're to live in such a way to be ready for his return. Because the truth is, whether he comes back today or, or not in our lifetime, he could come back today. That he could come back right now. And what Jesus is saying is you've got to be ready. That you've got to rise, you've got to shine and you have to be ready. In fact, in Matthew 24, verse 36, he says, and this is what Jesus is saying, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. But even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Talking about when Jesus is going to return. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. No one knew, right, when the rains was going to start. But it came suddenly. And that's what he's saying, that when Jesus comes back, no one's going to know. <clears throat> and he says, For as it, in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And then what Jesus did was he told a number, a series of parables about the importance of being prepared for his return. So he said, here's, here's the truth, this is what's going to happen. I, you know, I'm going to come back and I don't even know when I'm, only the Father knows when I'm returning. And then he says, but you got to be ready. You have to be ready. And he told these parables. I remember parables are stories with a lesson, right? And so he tells these stories, these parables, and we're going to look at one which deals with the foundation of financial fitness, right? So in order for us to be financially fit, we got to get to the foundation of the whole thing of our finances and it's found in Matthew 25, verse 14. All right? So you can turn there 
If you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be on the screen there. <clears throat> and there's some lessons that we can learn from this parable, all right? So in the following weeks, we're going to be looking at some practical ways we can get financially fit. But today, we've got to lay that foundation. And so there's some lessons we can learn. The first thing is this, that I need to remember that everything that I have has been entrusted to me by God. Everything we have has been entrusted to me by God, including our money, all right, including money. Everything we have, championship rings, all those things, all that has been entrusted to us. In fact, how Jesus starts off this parable in uh, Matthew 25, he says, For it will be like a man going on a journey. He calls his servants and entrusted to them his property. And this refers to his property and affairs, his money. You know, um, wealthy um, landowners often did this when they left on trips. They got their trustworthy servants. And they said, all right, I want you to handle my affairs. And that's what this guy did in this story. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. To another, one. To each according to his ability. Then he went off on his journey. And the question we ask is, okay, what are talents? And immediately we think, well, for us, talents are like skills, you know, that we have. Um, but that's not what it's referring to. It's not referring to our skills. Like when we think of talent, like, you know, Coach Reed will tell you that my talents lie in shooting three-point, you know, basketball. I can shoot. You know, I can't dribble too well. I can't do nothing else. I can shoot. Can't play defense. Do we need to play defense? No, we just shoot. Anyway, that's not what he's talking about. Talents refer to money during that time, right? It was referring to money. And the value of the investment that this man entrusted his servants with was, 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 was large, all right? It was like 50,000, 20,000, and 10,000 denarii. And, the, and that was, you know, their, their, their currency back then. And the average wage for one day was one denarii, all right? Okay, so one was one, you know, for a day's work. So at the end of the year, you'd make well, about 300 maybe. You know, we went on vacation, 200-something, right, denarii a year. So giving them 50,000, 20,000, and even the one is 10,000, that is really a small fortune. They had a lot to work with. Okay, he didn't just give them a little. He gave them a lot, all right? And these servants were entrusted or they were responsible to look after this man's properties and affairs. See, this money was given to them not so they can go to Disneyland or whatever. It was so that they could work and, and, and carry on his, his, his business, all right? And their job was to make the most of what they were entrusted with. And Jesus is teaching, you know, he's teaching, the, teaching all of us an important truth, because that's what parables are. You know, it's his lessons, and he's teaching us an important truth. Just as the man entrusted his, his men, his servants with money, God has entrusted his followers, all of us, with his money. And what Jesus is saying, that everything we have, including our money, is God's, and he is entrusted, he's, he's giving it over to us to take care of. To which we might think, right? No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, I, you know, yeah, I mean, God gives us all kinds of things. God's a good God. You know, he's faithful. You know, I mean, he even blesses me at times when I ask him to. I need a job or whatever. 
and he blesses us. But really and truly, I, I work hard for the money I earn, right? That, that the, I work hard, I work long hours. You know, I, I'm the one who's working hard. And really, the result of my hard work is this money. And so the money is really mine, right? I mean, that's how we would think. That's how I would think. I'm thinking, no, no, money is ours because I earned it, you know? And, and yet, the question is, who gave us our bodies and our minds and our intelligence and our skills and our talents to earn the money? Who opened the doors and given us the opportunity to work where we work? And then when we look back and, you know, we look back and we see, well, you know, it's, it's really God. If, in fact, in Ephesians 2.10, it says what? We are God's masterpieces. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. You see? That, that God is, is establishing our steps. In fact, in Proverbs 16.9, it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And, you know, there's a good part to that because we're excited about it, right? It's like, man, you know what? We can make plans. But I'm so grateful that God is establishing my steps. <clears throat> so where do you want me to work, God? And God establishes my steps. And you know, we ask God for our friends. We ask God for all kinds of where he wants us to live, you know, our significant others even. We ask God, and God establishes our steps. He determines our steps. And we're entrusted by God, really, to use who we are and what we have for His glory. And the thing is, they say, oh, that's like a bummer. Like, I don't, it's not my money. But you think about it. When you see money that you have, and you see that as God's, and that He entrusts you with this money, that it could change the way you live, you know? When we tithe and, and, and we say, you know, God, you know, we're going to give you, you know, before we do anything else, we're going to give you 10% of what we earn. And people ask, oh, is that gross, net? You know what? God's given us the whole thing. We just give them, you know, we'll give them more. We give them more than 10%. And we give God the 10%. And we say, God, and this is the principle, God, when we give you the 10%, the 90% that you entrust us with, that you kind of guard over that. And then so, at that point, I don't have to worry you see, because that's God's, and God's promise to take care of me. And I say, God, I'm going to honor you with the 10%, because it's yours anyway. It's not even mine, you know, but, but you entrust me with the 90%. And, and for our lives, and, and our, ever since we've been married, you know, 33 years, June 26, 1982, that's when we got married. Where's my, oh, she's not even here. I just bragged for nothing. Because you know, husbands, we forget it. I don't forget, though. You see, but all through our married life, that's what we chose to do. And you know, throughout our married life, God has shown himself to be faithful. That I worry about our finances at times. I don't have to worry because it's all his. And if I need more, he's going to entrust me with more. You know, and even when I make mistakes, you know, as long as I say, God, God I know, I'm sorry, you know. And we make mistakes at times, right? You know, I, I told the story once, you know, we were back when stocks were really, you know, uh, you know before the, you know, um, uh, a friend of ours was, was, they were like, I just bought a car because, you know, I invest, I, I just put this much money in stocks and, and, you know, in three years it doubled and I was like, what? 
And so he said, well, you should do that too. And so I said, Joe, we should do this. And Joe goes, no, I don't think we should do that. And I said, you know, I'm the head of this house. We're doing this. And we're going to invest this much money. And we're going to invest $2,000. What? We don't hardly got more than $2,000. I know, Joe, but in a couple of years, it'll like double. And we'll use that money because we always wanted to go on a family vacation. Right? And so, yeah. And so I did that. We invested. And three months later, and 2000 became, and I'm not even exaggerating, it became $329 or something like that. And Joe goes, well, what happened? I go, we have to wait two years, honey. You just can't just like three months. It's not three months. Well, at the end of two years, I think it came up to $500, you know. And my wife, Joe, she, she learned a valuable lesson that time. And I told her, see, we shouldn't invest in those kind of things. We should trust. And I, I messed up. But God said, Mark, you know what? I understand. I, I created you, and I know you're a goofball at times. I know you're trying. And, you know, we, he blessed us, and we got to go on a family vacation. And Joe, every time I have a harebrained idea, she points back to the stock, you know, stuff. And, but, you see, when we see our money that we have as God's, and that he entrusts us with it, it just kind of changed the way we live, that it's powerful, it's freeing. Because when we see everything that we have is a gift from God, it just changes things. See, I know my wife is truly God's gift of grace to me. You know, I'm not good enough to pick her, but God is. And he says, God, Mark, I know you're a goofball, but we've got to compensate that goofballness. We're going to give you someone extra special. So there's Joe, you see. I look, and the Bible says that my kids, the children, are a gift from him. No question that my kids are a gift, a good gift. So thankful for the gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? There is no question in my mind that God has led me to do what I do vocationally. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. It's been that way throughout my life. Every job I've had, I know where God, that God's been leading, opening doors, closing other doors, you know. And I know that everything I have is from him, including the money he blesses and entrusts me to use. The truth is, we really don't own anything. And it should change the way we live. It should be a good change. Second thing, is that we need to be responsible to God for what I do with what he's given me. Okay? He's entrusted me. Nothing that I have is mine. It's all his. But I need to be responsible to God for what I do with what he's given me. Jesus goes on in the story in verse 16. He says, He who received the five talents, 50, the 50,000 denarii, went out at once, went at once, and traded with them, and he made five talents more. That's like Devo Yadamari. So he got the five, he went out, boom, he got five talents more. And so he also, he who had the two talents, made two talents more. You see? That's the Neil Murakami. Not as good as Dave, but he got like two, and he made two. And then, but he who had received the one talent, 10,000 denarii, right? He went out, and what did he do? He went and he dug in the ground 
and hid his master's money. Right? He said, man, you know what? I'm not going to risk it. Because when he comes back, I'm going to make sure he got the 10 grand. He's going to get it back, right? And, and we see that these two guys went out and they took a chance and they did something with the money they had. And the one said, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm just, what about mutual? Not even, no, I'm just going to put it in my pillow, right? And dig in the ground. And Jesus told this parable in light of his words earlier that we got to be prepared for his return. You see, the man in the parable left on a journey. He didn't tell them when he was coming back, but they knew he was coming back. You know, how long? One week, two? They didn't know. But I'm pretty sure that he took enough stuff that he was going to be gone a little bit of time. And so they went out and they did these things. You know, they went out and each servant was given the talents to carry on the business. And they went out and did something with it. And in the same way, Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he gave us, his followers, a mission, right? He says, I got a job for you to do, that I'm going to give you something for why you were created, that you have the privilege and the blessing and the responsibility to go and share the good news about me with everybody you meet, you know? And then he gave us the money that we have, right? He gave, he entrusted us with everything we need to accomplish that mission. And that's what he's done. And so he's telling this story, and, and we need to see that any money we have is really God's, and he's given it to us for his reasons and purposes. Right? And being entrusted by God means that we're called to be stewards. You know, a lot of times you hear in churches that you know, we're called to be good stewards of the money and stuff that he's given us. And, you know, stewardship is an old English word for manager. It's just pretty much we're called to manage what we've been given. And just like in the story, some of us have been given a, a lot to manage. Some of us have been given us a little to manage. It doesn't matter. The point is we all get something. You see, you might think, nah, not me. I don't get nothing. I'm just this dirty, you know, no good guy. No, all of us is entrusted with something. That's not the point. The point isn't you get, oh, I wish I had five. You know, that's how I would, oh, how come I don't get five? I'm not good. I'm not, I'm not Dave. You know, right? No. The point is everybody gets something and, and we're called to manage and to take care of this because one day Jesus is coming back. Right? Because that's what he said. And we've got to be ready like the servants have to be ready. And the question we must always ask ourselves is how are we managing the money that God has entrusted us with? You know, what, what are you doing and what are you using the money that God has entrusted you with for? You know, what are you going to spend it on? You know, God's called us to, to be good stewards of whatever he's entrusted us with. And I remember, you know, I'm picking on Dave a little bit and, and Dave's going to be speaking um, you know, Dave, are you speaking next week? Yeah, Dave's speaking next week, so you can get me back. But, but Dave and I would have these talks, you know, like, you know, what are we to do with this money? Like, I mean, should we buy, like, the, the most expensive car? Like, does God want us to get the most expensive car? And Dave goes, no, I don't, I don't think so, you know? And we talk about it, we talk about, you know, these kind of things. And, and when I was younger, I thought, no, I don't think so. Now I think, well, not the most expensive, not a Maserati, but a black Audi would be nice. No, I, you know, when we talk like that. And, and these are the 
things we need to contemplate. You know, with the money that God has entrusted us with, what are we to do with that money? All right? That we're never to love money. We use money. It's a resource that God has given us. See? And, and here's the thing. When you love money, you tend to use people. And you get messed up. But if you love people and you use money, that's what God wants you to do, you see. You know? That you'll never go wrong when you just choose to love people and you use the money that God's given you for whatever. You know? As I've gotten older, you know, I, I just think, man, I wish I had more money so I could give away more money. So I could ask the Lord, say, God, you know, it would be great. Because it's just the funnest thing, right? I mean, you know, Christmas or birthdays or gift giving. I mean, isn't it funner to give? Well, maybe not. No, but isn't it funner to give gifts than to receive gifts? I mean, I'd love to give stuff. You know, just like the funnest thing. Right? You get all happy and wonderful. You know, it can be little things, it can be big. It doesn't matter. But you get such a cool feeling when you give to people. And, you know, I think that's what God wants us to to feel that, that there is a mission that he's, and he's, he's entrusting us with everything that we need. And the cool thing about God is like, it's not like, oh no, because we're going to find out. It's not, oh no, I better be careful about what we do. Because the third thing is God will reward me for being a good steward of what he's given me. See, God's going to reward me. And so we come to verse 19. It says, now after a long time, the master, the servant comes back, settle accounts. The one who received five talents comes forward and he, and he brings five talents more and says, master, you've delivered to me five talents and I have made five talents more. And his master whoo, was impressed, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, 50 grand, a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Yes. Right? And then, verse 22, he also who had the two talents came forward, right? Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said, this, say, said to him the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You know? See, it didn't matter how much they were given. See, it doesn't matter. The two servants used what they had, and they provided a good return for their master. And they both were affirmed. They were affirmed in the exact same way. You know, and that's what God looks at us. It doesn't matter how much we have or how little we have. It's what we do with what we have. Things didn't go so well for the third guy. All right, verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Ah, that's not a wise thing to say at the beginning, right? I've known you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So you know what? I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, here you have what is yours. Right? So he didn't lose no money. Right? He gave him back exactly what the master gave him. Master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. 
You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gathered where I had scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. Bank of Hawaii, whatever, you know. And my coming, and, my, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who had the ten talents, for everyone, to everyone who has, will be given, will, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They think, whoa, what a bummer, right? He didn't do anything with what he had. And he explained that, you know, Master, you're scary, you know? I know you're a scary guy. And so I knew if I lost anything, that you would be mean to me. So I just figured... I'm just going to hide it, and I'm just going to give you back what you gave me. And the result was really a rebuke, and he was taken away to this terrible place, to which we think, oh, that's harsh, to which we're all like, oh, no, what am I going to do, right? What is Jesus saying? I believe Jesus is using this parable, and remember, first thing is this. It's a parable. It's a story to teach a lesson, right? And I believe that Jesus is using this parable to say that the first two servants were examples of what disciples and followers of Christ do. They were rewarded for what they're supposed to do. He's telling us that's what we do. That God's entrusted us, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what a disciple does. A disciple is someone who has chosen really to follow Christ and to make the most of everything He's given us because we acknowledge as followers of Him that everything we have is a gift from him, you know? And we're going to be good stewards. The third servant, I believe, is an example of someone who has not chosen, who has chosen not to follow Jesus. He's making a contrast, and he's saying, guys, look, see, the problem with that servant was really his attitude, right? His attitude toward his master. It was an example of the wrong attitude that people can have about God, that they think God is this mean you know, this guy who's a party pooper, who just, you know, wants us to have no fun in our lives and all this, or he's just hard and he's unconcerned with them. And what that, that, that attitude, that, that wrong attitude that they have toward God, it becomes like an excuse. It becomes an excuse for disobedience. Like, that. God, he's just mean, ain't he? I just do whatever. See? And when you think of God that way, you don't want to have anything to do with a God like that. I wouldn't want anything to do with a God who's mean, who doesn't want me to have any fun, who's going to be like this taskmaster and always pointing lightning bolts to hold. I wouldn't want to follow a God like that. See? And it came from his wrong attitude. And, and I believe um, Jesus was contrasting what a follower of Christ does with what they have and someone who's not. And he's saying, guys, you just want to make sure this is what you want to do. You know? Because that's what you do. And over the course over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how we can get healthier and how we can, how we can make the most use of, of all the money, all the finances that God has entrusted us with. That God wants us to be healthy with our finances. And it starts with what Jesus has taught us in this parable. That financial fitness 
really begins with how we view finances and money. You know, it starts when we realize that we don't own our money, that it's not ours, that it's God and He's entrusting us with it. The God who loves us, the God who, you know, who's willing and wanting to give us everything we need and more. You know? And if we would begin to live our lives in this way and live out this truth, it's going to change your life in an amazing way. And if you're struggling with your finances and you know, it's hard to make ends meet, maybe it's because, maybe it's because like, like you're, you're not really connected with God and what He wants for you in this area. And maybe if you begin to plug in in the next few weeks, you begin to see you get healthier and healthier and healthier. And I can tell you, I can tell you, Testimony after testimony after testimony of how God has been incredibly, incredibly amazing and faithful in our lives. You know, um, yeah, just crazy. You know, I was going to share one, but I thought I'd keep that for later. Okay. You don't have to live under the bondage that the love of money and seeing money as a way to security and happiness where that leads, then you can be free. And so I want to encourage you that you really don't want to miss a week of this important series. That I want to encourage you to get into a small group because you can do life together in a small group. And there are sign-ups for small groups right outside. I want to encourage you to sign up. And some of you think, like there was a couple last week says, you know what, we live in Kaneohe, we would like to maybe even start one. And so there's a group out there that's starting in Kaneohe. And if you're living in Kaneohe, and Kailo, or Kahalu, or whatever, you might want to maybe check that out. All right? But, but there's study guides and stuff. It's going to be a really important series. And so I want to encourage you to, to be a part. And if you're interested or have any questions, come see me after. But I don't, I'm just excited. And, you know, Dave is going to be powerful next week. It might be the most powerful week of the whole series. You don't want to miss next week because Dave is up. I mean, really, just mark your calendars. Because what Dave is going to share with us, what God lays on his heart, powerful. All right? All right. See you guys later.